Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of clavicle fracture found under the orthopedic section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with the clinical snapshot. A 26-year-old woman presents to the emergency room after a biking accident. She reports acute pain after falling on her shoulder. On physical exam, there is swelling, erythema, and tenderness on the anterior aspect of her right shoulder. No tenting of the skin is noted. Distal pulses are intact, and there is no motor or sensory deficits. She is sent for further imaging. Let's continue with an introduction to clavicle fracture. Clinically, it is defined as fracture of the clavicle, and it is classified based on its location. Fractures may occur in the medial third, middle third, or lateral third. Fractures of the middle third are the most common, and with regards to epidemiology, Remember that this accounts for 4-10% to of all adult fractures, and they are more common in children and the elderly, especially those greater than 70 years of age. In terms of the pathogenesis, it is most commonly from a direct fall on the shoulder, in particular in adults and children, or there may be a direct blow to the lateral aspect of the shoulder, or it may also be due to birth trauma in newborns. Conditions that are associated include brachial nerve palsies. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms will include shoulder pain that worsens with any movement of the arm, and on exam, one may note swelling, erythema, and deformity of the clavicle. There may be tenderness to palpation, which is worse with passive and active movement. There may be tenting of the skin overlying the fracture. This indicates skin necrosis and an open fracture, and one must also rule out associated injuries to the neurovasculature, so one must perform a thorough distal pulse and neurologic exam. In terms of further imaging, radiographs are indicated for all patients. The recommended views are an AP and clavicle view. Specific findings would include a clavicle fracture. In terms of the diagnosis, remember that this is based on clinical presentation and imaging. And with regards to the differential, make sure to think about a sternal fracture, with distinguishing factors being that there will be no clavicular fracture seen on imaging and a sternal fracture will be seen on imaging. Also think about a bruise, with distinguishing factors being that there will be no fractures on imaging. Treatment for clavicle fractures include non-operative options, such as an immobilization in a sling. This is indicated as the standard of care for most patients. One may use a simple arm sling or a figure of eight sling. One may also use non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs for pain management. Operative options include surgical open reduction and internal fixation. This is indicated for fractures that are at risk for malunion, open fractures, skin tenting on exam, unstable fractures, and neurovascular compromise. Complications related to clavicular fractures include cosmetic deformity of the shoulder and limited mobility of the shoulder. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, remember that most fractures will heal well. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to clavicle fracture, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 12-year-old boy presents to the emergency department after being tackled while playing football. He complains of left shoulder pain and is intermittently crying. The patient is otherwise healthy and takes no medications. His temperature is 99.2 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.3 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 100 over 75. Pulse is 92 beats per minute. Respirations are 16 breaths per minute, and oxygen saturation is 100% on room air. 
Physical exam is notable for normal range of motion of the affected shoulder with no tenderness to palpation of the shoulder and minor tenderness to palpation over the clavicle with some swelling. A radiograph of the patient's left clavicle is performed and demonstrates a diaphyseal fracture. Ultrasound is performed of the left radial artery after failure to palpate a pulse and minimal flow is seen. There is no surrounding hematoma nor disruption of the cortex of the bone in that region. Which of the following is the most appropriate management of this patient? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Fasciotomy Choice 2. Figure of 8 brace Choice 3. MRI brachial plexus Choice 4. Sling and supportive therapy Or Choice 5. Surgical repair The best answer to this question is Choice 5. Surgical repair this patient is presenting with a radiograph demonstrating a clavicular fracture and an absent radial pulse suggesting that there is neurovascular compromise in this patient, which warrants surgical evaluation and repair. Clavicle fractures typically present after trauma with pain over the clavicular region. Patients should immediately be assessed for skin tenting and possible neurovascular compromise. If the patient has any skin tenting or neurovascular impairment, including an absent radial pulse or loss of function in the medial, ulnar, or radial nerve, a surgical evaluation and surgical repair are needed. In particular, a pulseless limb is a surgical emergency that may require repair of both the subclavian artery and clavicle. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Fasciotomy would be the treatment of compartment syndrome which presents after trauma, typically after a crush injury, with pain, paresthesias, pulselessness, and tense compartments. Though a compartment syndrome in the arm or forearm could cause this presentation, it is unlikely in a clavicular fracture. Choice 2. Figure of 8 brace is not commonly used in the management of a clavicular fracture. However, it can potentially be used in an adult patient who is neurovascularly intact without skin tenting. Choice 3. MRI of the brachial plexus would be indicated if there was a brachial plexopathy or concern for compression of the nerve roots in the cervical spine. Patients would present with weakness, pain, numbness, and tingling in the affected extremity in a radicular pattern if there is compression at the nerve root. Choice 4. Sling and supportive therapy, such as pain management, are optimal management of a clavicular fracture in a pediatric patient, since pediatric patients remodel their clavicle naturally, without skin tenting or who is neurovascularly intact. This patient's lack of a radial pulse requires further evaluation and surgical repair. Finally, a bullet summary. A clavicular fracture in a patient with skin tenting or who is not neurovascularly intact requires surgical intervention. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 17-year-old boy comes to the emergency department following an injury during football practice. He fell and landed on the lateral aspect of his right shoulder. He is holding his right arm supported by his left arm with his right arm adducted against his side. He is tender to palpation directly over the middle third of the clavicle. Radiographs reveal a non-displaced fracture of the middle third of the clavicle. Which of the following is the most appropriate treatment at this time? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Open reduction and internal fixation with a compression plate. Choice 2. Open reduction and internal fixation with an intramedullary nail. Choice 3. Open reduction and internal fixation with lag screws. Choice 4. Figure of 8 splinting or choice five, mobilization.
the best answer to this question is choice four, figure of eight splinting. This patient has a non-displaced middle third clavicle fracture. This is best treated with immobilization followed by physical therapy. Fractures of the clavicle are relatively common. Clavicle fractures make up an estimated 5-10% to of all fractures and are the most common long bone fractures in children. Fractures of the clavicle are grouped by which third of the bone they occur in, with the middle third being the most common location of fracture and accounting for 80-85% to of all cases. The mechanism usually involves a direct blow to the lateral shoulder or a fall onto an outstretched arm. The publication by Pecci et al. discusses the presentation of clavicle fractures. Patients typically report a history of direct blow to the lateral shoulder, often during sports participation. Patients will hold the affected arm adducted and supported with the opposite arm. Ecchymosis, focal tenderness, and crepitation may be appreciated on palpation. Gross deformity can be present. Evaluation should always include radiographs. The publication by Conidal reviews the treatment of clavicle fractures. Undisplaced fractures of the diaphysis or distal third have a high rate of union with conservative management. However, displaced fractures have a higher risk of non-union. Management of displaced fractures depends on the degree of displacement and location of the fracture. Absolute indications for open reduction and internal fixation include displaced unstable fractures and open fractures. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choices 1 through 3. Open reduction and internal fixation is not needed in non-displaced mid-shaft fractures. These routinely heal well with conservative management. Choice 5. Clavicle fractures can be severely painful. The patient will require several weeks of immobilization for healing to begin prior to mobilization. For the third question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 54-year-old male comes into the emergency department after a fall from a ladder. He states that his foot slipped while climbing up the ladder to clean his gutters. He fell onto his outstretched right arm. A radiograph is performed and it demonstrates a minimally displaced right-sided mid-shaft clavicular fracture. The patient did not sustain any other injuries from his fall and there are no abrasions or skin lacerations noted. There is no skin tenting noted over the injury site. What neurovascular structures are most at risk with this injury and should be evaluated? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Supraclavicular nerve and radial artery Choice 2. Median nerve and brachial artery Choice 3. Supraclavicular nerve and subclavian artery Choice 4. Brachial plexus and subclavian artery Or Choice 5. Radial nerve and subclavian artery The best answer to this question is choice 4, brachial plexus and subclavian artery. The patient has sustained a right mid-shaft clavicular fracture that is minimally displaced. A thorough neurovascular exam must be done to help rule out brachial plexus and subclavian artery injuries. Clavicle fractures are a common fracture seen in the emergency department. Clavicle fractures are separated into medial, middle, and distal third fractures. Middle third fractures account for approximately 80% of all clavicle fractures. Associated injuries include, but are not limited to, scapula fractures, rib fractures, pneumothorax, brachial plexus injury, and subclavian vessel injury. Treatment depends on specific fracture patterns, but often includes simple sling immobilization or open reduction and internal fixation. The publication by Pecci et al. notes the mechanisms that can result in clavicular fracture 
including a fall directly onto the shoulder, a fall on an outstretched arm, or a direct blow to the clavicle. Diagnosis includes a thorough history and physical in addition to radiographic evaluation. Displaced mid-shaft fractures tend to have increased rates of non-union and subsequent sequelae, including pain with and without weakness, paresthesias, and cosmetic defects. The publication by Robinson et al. reports that neurovascular injury can occur as a rare complication of acute mid-shaft clavicular fractures. Specifically, they looked at the anatomical relationships of the subclavian vessels and brachial plexus to the clavicle and cadavers. Both the brachial plexus and subclavian artery were noted to be closest to the clavicle at the middle third region of the clavicle, with a mean distance of 25 millimeters. This should be taken into consideration when evaluating a patient with a middle third clavicle fracture and when using an anterior plate for fixation of these fractures. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choices 1 through 3 and 5. Although important to investigate the injury to these structures, a mid-shaft clavicle fracture specifically puts the brachial plexus and subclavian artery at risk because of their close anatomic relationship. An injury to the median nerve, radial nerve, radial artery, and brachial artery would be distal to the zone of injury involved in a clavicle fracture. Although the supraclavicular nerve may be injured during a clavicle fracture, it is of less importance because of its function to supply superficial skin sensation over the clavicle. That's all for this review about clavicle fracture. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.